You're listening to the AR-15 Podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Welcome to episode 153 of the AR-15 podcast. I'm JD flying solo again this week, giving the guys a little break for the new year. We will be back with new content coming up next week as Reed, Anthony, and JW will be back. Uh, this week, going to take a look back at some of the shows that kind of stuck out over the last couple of years. We did the best of 2015 last week. Going back a little bit deeper to bring some of the, the good segments the guys had back in 2014. Uh, this one really stuck out as I was looking for things that might be cool as we start the new year and maybe have some resolutions to get some new shooters involved into our favorite black rifle. Uh, we'll be taking a look back at episode 73. Anthony, you know, pointing out some newbie tips because at one point we're all newbies. And in fact, I'm still probably a newbie on the crew. So listening to those tips coming up in just a second. Want to remind you that the AR-15 bandwidth is sponsored by the Patriot Patch Company. You can check them out at patriotpatch.co. Just taking a look at some of the products they've got up on their page. Uh, I love the modern musket patch, the Say When, uh, even a 1911 patch up there that they've got added. All sorts of stuff. You can check it out. Once again, the bandwidth for the AR-15 podcast brought to you by Patriot Patch. .co. That's Patriot Patch Company. Check them out online to help support the AR-15 podcast. A little housekeeping before we get into things. If you have been one of the Otis Technology winners, you want to make sure you get a hold of us and you can send us an email through the show notes. You can also contact us on Facebook. We're pretty quick to respond there and uh, get us your address. We're going to give a grace period of 30 days past uh, January 1st. Uh, of 2016 to uh, get all those mailed out and get all the information. So once again, if you have won one of the Otis Technology uh, cleaning kit or accessory or tool giveaways, make sure you get in contact with us here soon. Uh, you can check out the past winners in the show notes from the last couple of shows, and uh, it'll give you an idea of that. Also, towards the end, we'll give a, a little sneak peek of some of the stuff we've got planned coming up for 2016. Right now, going back to the first week of May in 2014, AR-15 podcast episode 73, Anthony on his own talking about being a newbie. And sometimes it's uh, good to get a refresher on this because if we're inviting people to join uh, our love for the modern sporting rifle, our favorite black rifle, it's nice to remember where we came from. And with people buying record numbers of them right now, probably a, a brush up a good idea. Here's Anthony from episode 73 of the AR-15 podcast. So now we'll move on to the main topic. And uh, this show is the newbie AR experience. Um, you're dealing with me, so as, as we talked about, my my knowledge is, is very limited, as most of you know. So I wanted to really, since I couldn't talk in depth about any certain one specific topic, I wanted to talk about the entry into the field and talk about my experience in, uh, as, as a newbie coming into the AR-15. And that there are a lot of different ways that people might come into the field. They might come in from movies, video games. Um, we see a lot of ARs in video games. Uh, maybe their friends get them interested. I know several of my friends, when they've seen my AR, they're like, ooh, 
what's that? Uh, I want I want one of those. Or maybe uh, they go hunting with someone and the, they happen to have an AR-15 as a backup rifle or maybe even a primary hunting rifle, depending on what you're hunting. Uh, or even uh, perhaps even better, one of the more interesting ways that you can get involved uh, with ARs would be through uh, shooting sports. If you go to three gun or, or any sort of other comp- competitive shooting sport, it could be a really wonderful way to get interested Personally, I got interested just strictly from a self-defense perspective. Um, you know, I looked at shotguns and things of that nature, and, and those things are absolutely wonderful for, for self-defense. But I thought, you know, I think uh, I think an AR would, would prove very, very useful and very uh, versatile uh, for self-defense as well. Um, and I, I feel fairly certain that if I ever had a need for it, it would serve me very well in that capacity. Moving on, there are a lot of different things when you start off with an AR uh, that are first for you. And I won't wax too poetic on you guys. I'm not going to go in that direction. But there are different things that happens. Uh, the first time you actually pull a trigger on an AR, you know, there's a certain, hmm, what did you expect? Did you get what you expect? Did it happen the way you wanted it to happen? Uh, I remember the very first time that I pulled the trigger was on my Bushmaster. Uh, I didn't get to shoot anyone else's first. It was my own rifle first, and I literally had no idea what to expect. Uh, I didn't have anybody to show me how to do anything, so I had to look everything up online and got out to to the range and figured out how to you know load everything up. And I knew enough about gun safety, the basics. I'd taken some pistol courses, so I knew enough about the basics of gun safety to to do some basic safe operation. And when I pulled that trigger, I really, literally had no idea what type of, how much recoil to expect or anything. And that first shot was so sweet. Uh, I didn't hit anything. I mean, didn't hit what I was aiming at specifically. Let's put it that way. The round did go down range safely, uh, but uh, there was so little recoil, I was really shocked. So I was very pleasantly surprised, and I will always remember that first shot very, very fondly. Um, so it made a very strong impression on me, uh, and I knew that the rifle would be something that I would come to love very, very quickly, and of course it it has been. One thing we've talked about several times throughout diff- several different episodes were accessories, and a lot of different people go for a different accessory when they're talking about their very first accessory. And I was trying to think back, what was the very first accessory that, that I put on my AR? And... I don't remember. It wasn't my, my battery assist device, though I do love that thing. And it it wasn't the optic because that's just very recent. Uh, it wasn't the, the 45 optic reset sights because that was very recent. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not real sure. Actually, the very first thing that I did is that I had a set screw that was given to me uh, that allowed me to take up some of the slack in the, the trigger. And so I, I uh, took inside the grip, uh, there's a screw in there, and you can unscrew that, and uh, it comes out, and you have to, uh, I think I took the grip out, and there's the there's a little pin and springs and stuff in there, and it was, let's just say it was interesting. It didn't quite follow the videos on the internet, uh, and I almost did lose a spring uh, as it popped across the, the countertop there in the kitchen, but I was able to get that all put back together, no problem, and get that set screw put in there, uh, and was able to take up all the, the trigger slack, or almost all of the trigger slack from the factory, and it's made a, quite a bit of difference. So that would be 
combination first accessory and modification. If we're going to strictly say accessory, it'd probably have to be the battery assist device. And if we want to talk modifications, it would be the set screw. And I did a little bit of a trigger job, did some polishing inside the trigger. I took the trigger apart and did some polishing and took some of the grit out of the trigger. So it's much smoother, uh, crisper pull um, on the trigger, which has actually helped uh, uh, the accuracy quite a bit. So those are the first things that I did. And um, they have made a difference in my rifle. And uh, I, I would like to think that they would help just about anybody, and they were very, very easy to do. And as we all know, that's one of the great things about our black rifles is that they're so easily to modify. I've got a topic down here next as is called uh, obsessions. And those can vary greatly from person to person. I'm going to pick on Reed just a little. I would... Uh, I would have to say that Reed has an obsession with iron sights, a very good obsession. I would call it a valid one, someone that that, that uh, everyone can benefit from. I can't say what JW's obsession would be specifically. He hasn't um, given me quite enough information yet. Uh, I've been listening to Reed for how many episodes now, so I had quite a bit of information for him. Uh, JW and I started right around the same time, so uh, I don't quite have as much uh, knowledge about his background. And I haven't quite figured out what my obsession is going to be. Uh, to tell you the complete truth, though, I, I would have to say I have this crazy thought process that a bipod will make me a better shooter. Logically, I know that that's not going to happen. But there is something in the back of my head that keeps telling me if I manage to go and get one, then I will become a better shooter. And that's just not true. I have um, my next major topic on here is training. And this is something that uh, when it comes to rifles that I have very <laughs> – very little of. I have uh, quite a bit of pistol training. I'm actually an NRA certified pistol instructor, but when it comes to rifles, it's, it's quite a bit of a different story. Uh, everything I have is, is self-taught, so I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I've listened to our podcast here. I've listened to several other podcasts to get a lot of good ideas. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can do that way to learn a lot of very good basics, but I, and I mentioned it last week, I went down and was able to sit uh, at a range with uh, one of the Appleseed guys for just a little very short period of time. He wasn't actually giving me lessons. Uh, I was using his scar to get some trigger time for the episode last week. But he was uh, just watching me, and every once in a while he'd say, pointer this or pointer that. Here, do this a little bit different. He gave me three or four pointers while I was there, and it it showed me the difference between um, having a friend who is a, a, a very, very good shooter watch me shoot uh, and having an instructor who has been taught how to teach watch me shoot. And the difference is very drastic. Uh, an instructor is going to be able to give you very specific advice. So if you haven't gone out and taken any sort of training from an instructor uh, for your AR, I would encourage you to do so because there's some, uh, even if you're, you know, very good with your, with your, uh, your weapon, uh, there's some very good instruction that can be had out there. And uh, there are some great, different wide variety of groups that can provide all different kinds of instruction. We've all, hopefully, you guys, you've seen Chris Costa. Um, so you've seen, we've talked about the Appleseed guys. There's a whole wide range of, uh, of, of people that do things that are specific to rifles. And a lot of that, that uh, technique will go from platform to platform. A lot of those basic fundamentals will cross platform to platform. So I would definitely encourage you to do that. And then you can move into the more advanced things. I still need to work on those fundamentals. Um, so hopefully I'm going to be able to get some uh, some fundamentals training here uh, over the next while. If any of you guys know some, uh, some really good fundamentals training close by to uh, southern Alabama, please feel free to send that information into me and uh, into the podcast here, and Reed will pass that along to me.
sources of information here that I've got, and and I, I again anything here that I'm talking about, if you guys have additional information, uh, please pass that along. It'll make it into the feedback in the next episode or two, and uh, we'd love to be able to pass that back along out to everyone who is interested in information for uh, guys that are new to the shooting arena like I am. One of the things that I've found that are, are is a really great source of information are magazines, uh, trade magazines. I picked up um, an issue of Recoil magazine, which if you're not reading that, you really, really should be. And it's just filled with unbelievably great information on ARs. And I also picked up uh, an issue of AR-15 magazine, which, again, duh, is filled with really great information on ARs, uh, talking about different billet items that are coming up and uh, some of the, the you know positives and negatives. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good bits and pieces that are in those magazines that the more and more I get to read those, the more I build my knowledge base. So hopefully the better host I will be for you guys here on the podcast and uh, the better um, information we'll be able to bring to you as a listener. But I'd also encourage you to go out and check out those magazines as well, and as I'm sure the large majority of you probably already do. But if you don't, I'd definitely encourage you to go do so. And then there are other forums. I'm not even going to try to start listing the forums because I know that almost everyone here has at least one or two Internet forums that you go to. Uh, snipers hide. Uh, uh, no, I'm not even going to go anymore. I'm not going to mention anymore. There are so many different forums out there on the Internet with AR-15 information uh, that I'm not even going to try to list those. But forums can be a very good place to find information and a very dangerous place to find information uh, because you don't know what the qualifications are of the person who's offering the information. So while you're doing your research, you don't know if you're talking to a uh, 15-year-old who has been shooting ARs for uh, 12 years, since he was three. Uh, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's possible. And he knows everything there is to know about them. Or if you're talking to a 35-year-old who's been shooting ARs for two. So I definitely encourage you to check your source and make sure that they actually know what they're talking about. And one good way to do that is to continually check multiple forums. And if you see the exact same type of information that comes up over and over and over and over again, and it's not the same guy, that's important as well, from different people, then you will find often that that information is correct. So uh, when I go out and I look at uh, the gas block replacement that I did on my AR so that I could put my 45-degree offset sights and replace my A2 front sight on it, I said, okay, well, what are some of the problems I might run into when I'm changing the front sight? And so I read and read and read and read and read. Uh, It took me about three or four days to go through and read everything, and I still didn't come across half the problems that uh, you know, on the forums that I actually came across in real life, but I was able to foresee quite a few, uh, which was very, very, very helpful. So I would most certainly encourage you to to read uh, forums and find out as much as you can for information. And of course, like we talked about, there's if you find a good forum with really great people, stick to it. Uh, there's some really wonderful ones out there. I found a couple of myself that I really like and uh, haunt those things. And if you've got great knowledge to pass on, please uh, find one and pass on some of that knowledge as well. Then there's YouTube. Uh, just We're broadcasting right live right now with Google Plus over YouTube. So uh, I can definitely encourage you to go there, obviously. And there's a, a, the same type of filter uh, filters and rules apply on YouTube as apply anywhere else. You have to make sure that all sources are talking about. I've gone and watched some videos on YouTube that I could have sworn that it was probably a 10 or a 12-year-old child showing me how to do something on an AR uh, from the sound of the voice 
and, and the look of the hands. But the information was very well presented. It was very accurate, very articulate, very articulately said and presented very well and uh, met very um, high expectations that I had. Um, and then I've seen some others that were just not quite done that well. So uh, begin, be just picky. Uh, be picky when you're when you're looking for your information, and, and it'll come across the way you want it if you spend enough time searching for it. Uh, Google is your friend, um, but at the same time, Google is your enemy. Google will give you anything and everything. So the more specific keywords, if you're searching for things uh, on how to do a specific item, how to do a specific thing for your AR or a specific part or something like that, uh, that will help you quite a bit. Again, those are generic Internet searching type skills, but again, they can be very, very helpful uh, if you're trying to learn how to do something uh, for your AR. Say you wanted to learn how to replace your, your gas block. And when I was getting ready to do that uh, specific project, I needed to know, number one, what type of uh, gas block did I have on my existing AR. So I had to make sure I knew what uh, that that was an A2 gas block. And then I needed to look up the A2 gas block and find out how that attaches um, to the barrel. What type of tools do I need to remove that? Um, and so I was able to find those. And then once, uh, what were the steps to remove that? I found a great Brownells video that actually showed me how to do all that. And then I think I mentioned this once before. Uh, the first, this is just a little aside, the very first piece to get the gas block off is to take the, the flash hider off the end of the barrel. And I spent three days trying to get a barrel vise to work. I made one out of two by four and masking tape. It should have worked, but it didn't. Um, so I bought one made of a, a resin online and it should have worked, but didn't. And I was getting really frustrated and I went online and it's like everything keeps slipping. No matter how tight I get the vice, everything keeps slipping and the, and the upper keeps trying to turn. Uh, what's going on? I mean, it's factory tightened, so I expected it to be really good and tight, but it didn't want to, to, to crack open. And I saw a suggestion on a forum and I had no way to tell whether or not the guy giving the information was truthful or not because it wasn't one of my usual uh, places that I go to. But it said to use powdered sugar. And I thought, well, that sure is strange. What would that do? And I, and I thought, well, it would, will it really give it enough grip? I mean, if you really compress down on that powdered sugar hard uh, in between that resin on the barrel, it, it shouldn't scratch the barrel. It, I can get it off. It shouldn't, can't hurt anything. Sure enough, five minutes later, the flash hotter was off. So, and that was after three days of effort. So you can find some really great things using Google, uh, but you just have to be uh, very careful. And think about it on your own and make sure that you're not um, going to do something that could cause damage or cause problems um, with your equipment or, or cause a dangerous situation, especially. You want to be very careful not to, to cause any sort of a dangerous situation. And, of course, you've got your friends. Uh, if you've got friends that are into firearms, uh, they could be a wonderful source of information. And so be sure to go to them and ask them for any help. I mean, everybody knows that. That's just a common sense kind of thing. And then. Oh, wow. Podcasts, maybe? No. Uh, be, please, uh, come, come to us. If you've got a question, as a lot of people do, come back and, and ask us. Um, even if it's a topic uh, that we've already covered in the past and there's something specific, uh, feel free to write in to us. And we can either refer you to the, the specific episode or if it's something that maybe um, – we haven't covered in a long time. We can either do a new episode on that if we get several pieces of uh, email requesting that, or we can send you a quick uh, 
email back with some helpful uh, tips or tricks or just a piece of information that you might need. I know Reed does that constantly during the week. And, uh, you know, if it comes through, I'll be more than happy to help if I can, obviously. Anthony Hardy with the newbie experience from episode 73 of the AR-15 podcast. You can check that out at AR15podcast.com or you can go to Stitcher or iTunes and download that episode there. Kind of sticking with the same kind of theme as we get into 2016 and maybe having the opportunity to introduce a lot of new people, a lot of new shooters to our favorite black rifle because you know they're flying off the shelves right now and barely keep them in stock. This is a great time, a great opportunity to be able to spread the black rifle disease. We're actually going to take a look back to July 2014 where Reed and Anthony talking about how to share with your buddies that disease that we don't care if a cure is ever found, the black rifle disease. From AR-15 Podcast, episode 83, here's Reed and Anthony with how to share the black rifle disease. We are dealing with uh, how to uh, spread the black rifle disease. That's right. We want to talk to you about how to get your buddies interested in the AR, which, to be honest, shouldn't be that difficult for the most part. But uh, we do have a lot of good pointers for you guys to make sure that uh, everybody understands um, some really basic things to start off with, and then we'll talk about some of the more fun things as we move on through the cast. You know, here's one of the things that I want to... I want to bring to your attention, and it was pointed out by one of our listeners and frequent contributors, Rob. He made reference to uh, walking into a friend's house and having that friend uh, show him their new rifle and violate uh, pretty much uh, three of uh, the, the principal safety rules that we all learn about when we're learning about firearms. And he said, I believe his exact expression was, uh, are you going to do, or can you do a podcast about uh, safety? Because you know, if it's boring, you need to hear it all again. Now, I'm probably paraphrasing <laughs> correctly. But I mean, I think that what he was trying to say is that, look, everybody needs to go over this more than once and all the time because we get lax and we take for granted things that we know. And it's always good to be reminded. So, uh, there's no better reminder than when you take an inexperienced friend who wants to become a shooter out to a range and you see the 18 dozen things that they do wrong that scare the willies out of you uh, for you to just kind of uh, uh, re-embrace all of those wonderful rules that we all often take for granted. So, Anthony, why don't we start with our basic firearm safety rules that I think everybody is aware of, but obviously we can't hear enough of them. Yeah, I hope um, everybody who uses a, a firearm is 100% aware of these rules. But the very first one, and, and this one really uh, it covers um, everything, um, every gun is always loaded. No matter what you're looking at, no matter um, what the situation is, even if you just clear the firearm yourself, it does not matter. You treat the gun as if it is loaded, period, end of story. And as long as you're always treating the firearm as if it's loaded and follow the other three rules accordingly, um, you will not have uh, or should not have an accident. I, I have yet to hear of uh, an accident um, of a, a negligent discharge, a firearm going off when you when you didn't want it to, or any sort of another accident other than an actual firearm malfunction where we had, you know, explosion within the farm or, or something like that, where someone didn't break one of these four rules. <clears throat> the second rule 
Never let the muzzle cover anything you're not willing to destroy. That includes you, obviously, yourself. That will include any person uh, in 99% of the time or more. That will include uh, any sort of property that you don't want damaged, any sort of animal, etc., etc., etc. It's called muzzling if you let the, the muzzle of your rifle cross something, cross a person so specifically, or anything that you do want to, you don't want to destroy. So always make sure that that muzzle is pointed in a safe direction. And sometimes that can be hard to determine what a safe direction is. If you're at a range, it's really simple. The muzzle is always pointed down range. Well, you know, when you're at a range. Yeah, and and you have a lot of people around you. I think that you can you can very easily adopt the idea that it is either pointing down directly down at the ground, or it's being handled in a way that as it's traversing uh, from that downward facing to any other uh, direction, it's traversing towards the open range with nothing in front of you, uh, and the only other direction that it can go from there is up. And so I think up and down are two safe directions. Obviously, down range is probably a lot safer because if you're in a range, up is an awning made of corrugated steel or tin, and if you shoot that, you're going to get kicked out. <laughs> and yep. below you is concrete, and, you know, frankly, I've never uh, investigated what's going to happen to that round as it strikes the ground before you uh, in a closed environment. So, but not to make light of it, but you know, really what it comes down to is, you know, we were always taught you're either aiming at the ground or aiming at the sky. And if your rifle is uh, deployed at a firing position, it is aimed at anything that you are willing to destroy. And of course, you know, Marines, you know, when you absolutely positively need it destroyed overnight, call us. But, you know, that was pretty much everything that was, you know, out ahead of us. So it, it is, I think one of those things where you just have to have that spatial awareness of where that barrel is. If the barrel is not pointing at something that would be a bad thing to point at, then you can't fire at that thing. If you're pointing away from the things you want to keep safe, then the barrel is not, you're not going to be able to fire the weapon, the the gun at that thing you want to keep safe. So now I'm reminded of that show about the people who are waiting for the end of the world and they're preparing uh, wondrously for it. And I don't want anybody to, to mistake the show I'm talking about, but I don't want to say it by name because I don't know if I should. Anyways, there is one uh, very uh, eager preparer who ended up shooting the end of his finger off with a twenty two. And, oh, you know, there is no amount of reading that rule that uh, I, well, I guess what I'm struck by is that he didn't hurt anybody else, but he sure did hurt himself because he stuck his finger over that barrel. And so even you handling the firearm are one of those things that you ought not to muzzle because you can very well shoot yourself. Yep. I guess that was the long way about trying to make a point in any case. What's our our next one? Our our rule number three is keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are on target. Um, This one should be an extraordinarily simple rule to follow, but it's one of the ones that I see broken most often when I go to the range. Yeah. Uh, someone pulls out their rifle, they pull out their pistol, and the, the four rules are the same, rifle, pistol, whichever, guys. I'm sure everybody knows that. And you'll see a finger on a trigger while they're still pointing at the sky, or while they're, you know, pulling it out of the case, even. Goodness gracious. And you just, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's too easy <clears throat> to forget. Oh, there's a round in the chamber. You know, I was in a hurry to leave the range. And, yeah, we're all, if we're following 
the rules, those kinds of mistakes are small mistakes. When you don't follow the rules, those little small mistakes, like you're in a hurry to leave the range and you accidentally looked around the chamber, can turn into a, a very, very catastrophic uh, choice. So as long as you follow the, that rule, um, not probably not going to be able to pull the trigger unless your finger's actually there. That's right. That's right. Well, our fourth and final of the four is to be sure of your target and what's behind it. Because guess what? Your bullet is probably not going to stop unless, especially if it's a rifle, unless it's a fairly thick target. Or a uh, well-insulated uh, back, like a berm. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm struck by the, the videos that you can see from time to time on YouTube that show some of the failures. And I recall a fella at an outdoor range. I don't even know if it was a formal range as much as it was a bench set up in the desert. He hit something and his 50 caliber round after going down range came back up range and struck his hearing protection and knocked him clean off his head. And I'm sure wow. that had it been just a fraction of some measurement one way or the other, that uh, rico- ricocheting round would have caught him square. And, you know, my suspicion is is that he shot into something he didn't know was there. And, you know, I, I can't be sure. Obviously, I don't want to second-guess anybody. He may very well have been aware of what was going on. But still, something happened, and that, rain, that round came back. So I think that's a good Crazy. point. You know, I think another illustration of this is, you know, certainly if you're going to ever think about deploying a firearm in a self-defense capacity inside of your homestead, I think it's good to know in a very real sense where every single uh, warm body of your household is because you certainly don't ever want to be in a position where deploying your firearm is going to put that person either on the other side of the uh, fire or between you and a target. So, you know, these are things that in the real world have very dire consequences um, when we're not at a range. Uh, So it's certainly something that I think is worth incorporating in a very real and permanent sense to everything you do when it comes to using firearms so that they're second nature if that occurrence ever happens. Yep. So to repeat one time, it never hurts to go over this one more time. Every gun is always loaded. Never let the muzzle cover anything you do not want to destroy or never let the muzzle cover anything you do not want to destroy. Yeah, that's right. Keep your finger off the trigger until your slides are on target and be sure of your target and what's behind it. At the range, that's like Reed said, that's a very, very easy thing to do. In any other situation, it's extraordinarily important that you pay attention. So when we're talking to people who've never really been experienced in handling firearms, I think we need to understand that safety rules like this are things that we need to convey in a real sense, and the importance of them has to be conveyed in a real sense. But I think that one of the things that you can probably do to make sure that you have imparted on someone the significance of these things is to make sure that when you show your buddies your firearms that you incorporate these rules. I've got friends in law enforcement. Some of them are part of the network. I've got friends who are experienced hunters. And if I picked up a firearm out of my gun safe and didn't manually check the chamber of every firearm that I picked up in front of those guys, if I was going to show them my new firearm, I wouldn't hear the end of it. 
but more than that, I don't think that they would trust me around these. And so these are the kinds of things that if you're going to be around a new shooter, make sure you're not showing them your bad habits. You know, check your check the chamber of your rifle. Let them know, look, I've checked it. It's empty. When I hand it to you, I want you to check it to see that it's empty. And then you and I are going to sit here and we're going to say it's loaded. We know it's empty, but it's loaded, and we're going to treat it that way. And a lot of people think that's a silly thing, but you never want to assume safety when it comes to firearms. It's yeah. too important. It's too important. It is literally a life, possibly a life and death situation. So, yes, I may have just checked it, and you may over my shoulder have seen into the chamber. But when I hand the firearm to you, rifle, pistol, whatever it might be, you have a responsibility to check that because now that safety belongs to you. It has shifted from me to you. It's, uh, you must do the exact same thing. It takes half a second. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you can incorporate these things into the way you handle firearms in a safe environment, in a non-stressful environment, I think you're going to impart to your friends the importance of these rules and that they aren't just something that you're blowing smoke about. This is how we keep ourselves alive and keep ourselves safe and make sure no one gets injured. Um, so safety instructions, I think that uh, when we go on to the next topic, these are things that are going to vary slightly, but by and large, you're going to see the same things no matter where you go to shoot, and that is the issue of going over the range rules at the range you're going to visit. You know, I've seen all manner of range rules in a number of different states, and there are some basic things that they're always going to have. And I'm not going to belabor the the point because, frankly, that's not for us to discuss. It's something for you to make sure that you know when you go to that range. And I think that it's also important for the people that you take to a range to understand that, you know, this is serious stuff. I've seen range uh, safety officers expel people for not uh, following their rules. I've seen range safety officers uh, come and, you know, uh, lower the boom on somebody and chew them out because really when it comes down to it, it's one thing for you guys to, you know, be in the living room talking about the new 45 you got or showing someone your new AR and, you know, uh, be uh, imprudent and make a mistake, not following your safety rules. You've got a buddy there that's going to check you and he's going to make sure you go back and redo it. But at a at a firing range, when you have a lot of people there that aren't your friends, aren't your family, don't even know you from Adam, nobody wants to go there and not feel safe. So that's why those RSOs get out there and really, they'll get onto you. And, you know, uh, it's one of those things that you have to respect, and you have to make sure that your new shooter respects, because you want them to get into this hobby and find an appreciation for it. And nobody can find an appreciation for it when you just got your butt chewed by somebody uh, for doing something that you didn't know you shouldn't be doing. So make sure your new shooter knows that. Those range rules exist for a reason. Um, They are there to keep you and everyone else at the range safe. So following them is a not only a sign of respect for the firearms, a sign of respect for the the range safety officers, it's a sign of respect for the other shooters that are there. And it it says that, yes, I understand that I am handling a, a... piece of equipment that could very well be dangerous and I'm going to show it and everyone else around me the respect they deserve so we can all be safe and have a good time. Yeah. So I think the next point are just kind of some topics, some suggestions uh, that go along with the idea of being safe and being around someone in a way of being safe. And that is that you need to keep your eyes on a new shooter at all times. 
Um, and I think the points I want to make to you are this. Never assume that your brilliant safety briefing is enough. Uh, I, I've, I've gone over the safety <laughs> briefing and I've seen people five minutes later do something that I told them not to do. And you know, that's fine. Everybody's learning. So that's a part of it. But you want to make sure that you keep an eye on these people. Because until they are experienced shooters, they're going to make mistakes. And I guarantee you, if you are an experienced shooter, you yourself still make mistakes. I know I do. Uh, but it's our diligence and our attention to detail that allows us to make sure that we correct those things, check ourselves, and continue to stay safe and improve. Another thing I want you, I want to point out is that we need to remember that a new shooter lacks the experience that we do, and they need you to lend them yours. So keep your eyes on them so you can give them the benefit of that experience and the benefit of that guidance, you know. Uh, I think that the last point that I want to illustrate on the whole point of keeping your eyes on a new shooter at all times is the fact that simple mistakes can lead to catastrophic errors. We want you to stay alert because that's how everybody stays safe. And, you know, once again, a, a new shooter is not someone that has that experience. I mean, really what this boils down to a lot of times is, correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Reed, but when you say keep your eyes on a new shooter at all times, that means while they're handling the firearm, you are not handling a firearm. You are watching them. You are, in essence, their instructor in an unofficial capacity, and you need to keep watching them and not watching another separate firearm. Yes, I think that is absolutely the case. I I have never gone to a range with a new shooter and shot at the same time they were shooting. I have you know, basically delayed my own, you know, gratification of being at the range and handling the firearms uh, to that moment in time when they've had their experience. And when they had uh, enough for a while or they need a break or they're done, then and only then do we switch places, make everything safe, let them know what the rules are for not having a firearm in their hands so that they're not doing something that the range doesn't want to do. And then I can have you know, a little bit of trigger time and fun. But you're right. You're absolutely correct. Um, I think the last thing kind of, once again, goes back to our original tip. You know, don't rush. Be patient. You know, when you're talking about new shooters, I, I guarantee you that my father uh, had the patience of Job watching me learn how to shoot. And, you know, he, he my father put me behind the... the Trigger of a 300 Weatherby Magnum when he uh, first let me shoot a rifle. So I think he wanted to impart onto me the understanding that uh, these were not pop guns or toys or anything less than a very significant piece of weaponry. And I think I was eight at the time. And it didn't scare me off, but, you know, I enjoyed it. So, yes, be be patient. Don't rush. Uh, You're there for the new shooter. And, you know... I think that really if we can incorporate all of those safety rules and all of those things that we can help make learning how to shoot uh, enjoyable for anybody that's willing to go to a range and pick up a firearm and learn. Reed and Anthony discussing how to spread the black rifle disease. That is AR-15 podcast episode number 83. You can check that out at iTunes or Stitcher or visit our website, ar15podcast.com. 
That's going to wrap up the content portion of today's show as we look at episode 153. Kind of look back at some of the best of the AR-15 podcast. I want to give you a little snapshot of what's coming up in the future, early 2016. Of course, SHOT Show in the next couple of weeks. I am excited. I am a newbie. I have never experienced SHOT Show, so I will be looking at it through the eyes of somebody who has never gone and get to experience some of the brand new products and the innovations that are coming out. Uh, for us this year. So looking forward to that. We'll be grabbing interviews and talking to people and grabbing pictures up on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, probably some Periscope stuff going down too. So you want to make sure you check social media for that as we are at SHOT Show. Uh, some of our early guests that we have tentatively scheduled, these could change. Uh, Mega Arms going to stop by the AR-15 podcast, also U.S. Optics. Uh, we've got some leads on interviews from Shield Sites, uh, Alamo Forestar, and uh, some other interviews that are cooking at the moment. If there is somebody you would like us to talk to, we'd love your suggestions. Shoot us an email, feedback at ar15podcast.com. That's feedback at ar15podcast.com. Or shoot us a message on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash ar 15 Podcast. If there's somebody you guys would like to see us interview, if there's a product you'd like us to talk about or check out at SHOT Show, we'd love your feedback. We'd love to be able to provide for you the content that you guys want to hear week after week. We are also kicking around ideas for giveaways this year and to see who we can partner with. So we will keep you up to date on all that stuff. The best way to stay up to date Two spots, AR15podcast.com and by visiting our Facebook page. With that, we're going to go ahead and put a wrap on episode 153. I am JD flying solo this week. All the guys going to be back next week as we start and kick off the year 2016. Uh, make sure you visit us at facebook.com backslash AR15podcast. You can also visit our website, AR15podcast.com. Uh, use the affiliate links if you shop at Brownells or Amazon. They are right there on the website page. And make sure to check out the other podcasts on the Firearms Radio Network. We greatly appreciate you guys checking out the AR-15 podcast. Hope you have a great new year. And thanks again to the Patriot Patch Company for supplying the bandwidth to the AR-15 podcast. Visit them at patriotpatch.co. Hey, since you're already listening to a show on the Firearms Radio Network, then you should check out the God and Guns podcast. Troy and Doug talk about guns from a Christian perspective and, of course, God. GodandGunsPodcast.com slash iTunes. Subscribe now. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at FirearmsRadio.tv.